0: So, welcome to the river, everyone. My name is Charles. I'm the lead pastor here. It's good to see you on Sunday morning. Um, We are in a sermon series called What Makes Gospel Good News? How does the gospel change anything? How does faith bring life? How does faith bring change to your life? in terms of more freedom, in terms of more joy, in terms of more life. So that's what we've been talking about. Um, Because that's the question when it comes to faith, isn't it? What difference does it make? How does heaven actually come into your life, into your hearts today and for eternity, right? I mean, that's the bottom line question. To use church terminology, how do we get saved? And what does that look like? And what difference does it make? And as an answer, I've been talking about how the unconditional love embodied by Jesus is what brings heaven to all of us, right? I've been talking about this for a few weeks. And the feedback has been good. It's been well received. So thank you for that. And at the same time, I've been getting some questions as well. uh, Because what I've been talking about is a little bit different than the traditional view, right? The traditional view is that it's by believing in Jesus. And only by believing in Jesus can you be saved. And I've been preaching something a little bit different, it feels like, to lots of people. Um, So the traditional view is that to be saved, you have to believe a certain set of propositions about Jesus, certain facts about jesus right commonly known as four spiritual laws that many of you i'm sure are familiar with it goes like this we are sinners jesus christ is god incarnate and jesus died for our sins on the cross and that's what makes us good with god now right you guys familiar with this set of propositions? And if you believe in these propositions in your head, that's what makes you Christian, and that's how you get saved, and, and that's the only way you can be saved. Loving or not doesn't matter, really. It, it, it's what matters is believing in this set of propositions. Right? You're familiar with that. And that's a little different than what I've been preaching So I've been sent passages in support of the traditional view. For example, from the uh, book of Acts, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Another passage, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Or if you confess with your lips Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You're familiar with these passages, right? These and other passages have been used to support the traditional view. I would like to note, though, these passages do not spell out the four spiritual laws that I mentioned, do they? That's sort of like inferred and constructed and assumed. These don't specifically say those things. It just kind of thought through in your head, this must mean that. That's assumption. The question remains, what does it mean to believe in Jesus? What does it mean that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life? What does does that actually mean? That is open to interpretation because is it about these statements? Is it about certain facts about Jesus? Believe in certain facts like Jesus is God incarnate, Jesus died on the cross for our sins, believe in these propositions, and then you are saved? Is, Is it that? The problem with that is that there is no inherent connection that I can see or observe between believing in these facts and people actually behaving as if heaven has actually come into their hearts. And their life has changed. Their character has changed. You can see that God and heaven are in their lives. There is no inherent connection. For example, there are many Catholic priests and Protestant pastors who have abused kids for many, many, many years. And their superiors who have completely prioritized hiding those facts, <laughs> uh, trying to protect their reputation, trying to keep going, and just doing nothing about the victims and just letting them just keep getting abused and just doesn't care at all and and many of these people profess all those christian facts sincerely and fervently all the doctrines these people are just zealots a lot of them and they really sincerely believe these facts it seems Uh, some of them may be just complete hypocrites and liars but i do think Majority of them sincerely believe these facts. And yet they don't act like they belong to heaven. They act like they belong to hell. Let's just be honest. There is no connection between believing these facts and actually seeing, yeah, there is heaven over there. None. And so that's a major problem. it's because, you see, there is a difference between knowing facts in your head and having personal knowledge of it, right? For example, there is a difference between knowing the facts about slavery and actually (laughs) experiencing slavery. There's a difference between hearing about and and, and knowing facts about Russia invading Ukraine and actually being right in the middle of it, getting bombed with missiles striking your residential buildings. There's a difference between the two. Wouldn't you agree? This is a very important distinction drawn in the Bible, in fact. When the Bible talks about knowing God, Experiencing heaven, getting saved. It's always and all about having personal experiential knowledge of it. It's not about facts in the head. It's never about that. It's a big difference. Yet there seems to be so much emphasis about learning and reciting these facts in the head. As if that's the important thing when really the important thing is having personal experiential knowledge of God. And, and this disconnect is what makes church teachings today seem so irrelevant and hypocritical and so often contradictory, to be honest. The second problem is that the traditional view just ignores many other passages in the Bible about salvation as if whole parts of the Bible just didn't exist. Uh, I've been talking about some of these passages. For example, unconditionally love God and unconditionally love each other as you unconditionally love yourself. Do this and you will be saved. Unconditional love fulfills every requirement of the Bible. Anyone who loves unconditionally is born of God and knows God. These passages, in contrast to all these other traditional passages, spell it out, right? There is no mistaking what it's trying to say. You don't have to make any inferences or draw any you know, construct any theories about anything. It just says anyone who loves unconditionally belongs to God, knows God, belongs to heaven. There is no qualifier, is there? Th- th- does the passage, does the verse say, well, anybody, anyone? It means only the people who believe in j- certain facts about Jesus. Th- does it say no? It says anyone. <laughs> Anyone means anyone, right? Could be Buddhist, could be uh, Muslim, could be anyone, right? Anyone means anyone. As long as they love unconditionally, they go to heaven. It just spells it out. And they're just ignored. Just cut out of the Bible, just never talked about, as if they just didn't exist. That's not okay, is it? Is it okay to just cut out half the Bible and say, you know, just recite the passages that support your view? That's like constructing your own religion. You can't do that. What's much better and what is needed is a bigger picture perspective that can bring all the passages together so that you can have some consistency in your understanding of the Bible, so that you can take all of the Bible with integrity uh, rather than just picking and choosing exactly what you think supports your already existing view. Uh, If you do that, you're just following your own religion. Wouldn't you agree? Yes, absolutely. And there is a simple way to do that. That is to equate Jesus with unconditional love. Because Jesus represents and stands for unconditional love in every way possible. He was always affirming the value and worth of any human being, the worst kind of sinners in his society, no matter what. In all of his teachings and all of his actions, he was always affirming unconditional value and worth of every human being, with the cross being the exclamation mark on God's unconditional love. Amen. So today, I'd like us to look at a Bible passage that perfectly captures this dynamic equivalence between Jesus and Unconditional Love, which from the book of John 15. Jesus said to his followers, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples, Christians. As the Father has unconditionally loved me, so have I unconditionally loved you. Now remain in my unconditional love. If you keep my command, you will remain in my unconditional love. Just as I have kept my Father's command and remain in his unconditional love, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And my command is this, unconditionally love each other as I have unconditionally loved you. Such a beautiful, rich passage. It's so rich. I will touch on this again next week as well. Anyway, Jesus says, he is the vine and we are the branches. Do we have a picture of a vine, right? Vine and the branches. It's an interesting picture. I mean, when you look at the vine, where does the vine begin and end, and where does the branches begin and end? It's kind of hard to tell, right? It just seems like it's all one thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, and you say, this is the vine, and this is the branch, I I mean, it's kind of like, kind of like connected. And I think that is the point, right? I and you and you and I and I and God and God and me and me are all one is is what Jesus is saying here, right? It's one entity. And that's really a picture of heaven. And that's how you get saved when you're in God and God is in you and you feel one with God. And it all depends on what? Jesus says this, if you keep my command... You will remain in my unconditional love, just as I've kept my Father's command and remain in His unconditional love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you, your joy may be complete. My command is this, unconditionally love each other as I have unconditionally loved you. So it all depends on unconditional love. That just seems so... I mean, how many times does He like repeat this, right? And Jesus is saying... We, we are one, we will always be one, as long as this unconditional love is kept. There is dynamic equivalence here. It's basically Jesus and unconditional love is interchangeable, right? It, it just all hang on this. Believing in Jesus means believing in and practicing unconditional love. Because Jesus is unconditional love made flesh The Bible tells us God is unconditional love. And if we believe Jesus is God made flesh, then Jesus is unconditional love made flesh. There's no other verse in the Bible that says God is. This is it. There is dynamic equivalence. Why don't we just believe this? Why make it so complicated? I will speak more on this next week. But this image of vine and the branches, it, it's as if God is the root and source of all things. All of us get our life and being and spiritual energy from the vine, from God. It's as if God is just behind the veil and just moving through all of creation And I'm going to be referring to my wife, Caroline's sermon about process theology. She has given us a very rich way of thinking about this in this next part of the sermon. Just one part of it, really. There's so much more to talk about, but just one part. And that is God is in all of creation, just as Jesus claims here, constantly inviting all of us towards life. And fruitfulness. It's like what Caroline talked about in Genesis 1 in, in the creation account. God says, let the earth produce fruit. It's an invitation from God to earth to be fruitful. Earth has to do the work of producing the fruit. God doesn't just say, God doesn't just create the fruit. Do you see that? God invites the earth. Let the earth produce fruit. Earth has to respond yes to that and produce fruit. It's at the invitation of God. But the earth has to do it. God gives the earth all the capabilities to do it and invites the earth to do it, but earth has to do it. Earth can say no, and then it won't happen. You know what I'm saying? It's like vine and the branches. The vine invites the branches to produce fruit, but branches have to do it. The sad thing is, oftentimes the branches or each individual does not always respond positively to the invitation from God towards life and unconditional love and fruitfulness. That's when we are moving away from the vine. That's when Jesus talks about getting cut off from the vine. That's when anxiety and stress and withering of our souls come. We need to fight this temptation to move away from unconditional love. We have to really fight hard to stay with unconditional love because the world pushes us away from it so often. You know, I only spoke at the beginning of the service about what's happening in Ukraine. I'm sure many of you are heavy-hearted. I am too, watching what is happening. I was so moved this weekend. I was riveted. I just, I usually try not to watch the news (laughs) because, you know, the news is always like, they don't talk about happy things. You know what I'm saying? There are happy things happening in the world. They are like, Moving things, people doing lovely things, but they never make the news. So, always disasters and like bad things, and people are always like talking about (laughs) horrible things. That's what makes the news. But I couldn't keep, take my eyes off of what's happening. It was just so heartbreaking with missiles striking residential buildings. uh, All these kids, middle school kids, high school kids, just Pack like sardines in bunkers, in the underground, and and despite that they were singing, you know, they were singing together for hope, for a better future. Um, you know, DCO units, the the babies getting born, hospitals setting up in the basement, in the shelters. Um men, old men, standing in front of column of tanks. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, it, it reminded me of China Man, of, of just arms stretched out, kneeling in front of tanks, just trying to stop the invasion from going on. Just so many stories and images, and it was just heartbreaking to see what is happening because of Putin's decision to just send in a couple hundred thousand soldiers into a neighboring country trying to resurrect the glories of Russian Empire, of Soviet Union. And, and, And why did he make such a decision? What does that say? He's saying my security and Russian security is paramount. It doesn't matter. Nobody has attacked Russia. And nobody probably will ever ever will. I I mean, they have 10,000 nuclear warheads. I mean, they might get a terrorist attack from some crazy people, but no country is going to be crazy enough to attack Russia. Don't you think? With 10,000 nuclear warheads aiming at you, who's going to be crazy enough to attack them? And yet, he has said, with the remote possibility of getting attacked or whatever, we will attack Ukraine and just make them our vassal state or whatever, just so that we get a little more security. That says their lives don't matter at all. That says my security, my glory, my ambition, that's what matters. And other people's lives who cares? So, do you see how that's a conditional thinking? The condition of being Russia that's so much better than anybody else. That's conditional thinking. Do you see? It's not, it's against God's unconditional love, putting value and worth on every human being unconditionally. This is against God. This kind of conditional thinking is what allows people to harden their hearts and oppress other people as if they were lesser than you. If your skin color is dark, I can make you my slave and make you, you know, do whatever I want. That's, do you see how that's coming from a conditional mentality? The sad thing is the world teaches us to think this way, to categorize people in all kinds of ways. It could be wealth, it could be beauty, it could be righteousness. If you are a righteous Christian, then you are in one category. If you are anyone else, you are in another category. If you are a righteous Muslim, you are in one category. If you are Jewish, you are in another category. All this conditional thinking, Right? Th- this is where caste mentality comes in, right? You, you put people in different caste categories. And successful people, white people can be on the top. You know, other people can be on the bottom. Injustice after injustice comes from this. Wars come from this. Death and hell come from this. This is getting cut off from the vine. That's where withering and burning comes. That's where rat race comes from. That's where stress comes from. That's where anxiety comes from. Because if your worth depends on your success, then you're going to have to be successful and you're going to go at it as if everything depends on it and you're going to beat yourself up for every little failure and you're going to be so stressed out. Do you see that? It's, it's the way to hell. So we need to fight the mentality of caste everywhere. We need to fight it everywhere we find it. Because this is the command upon which everything turns. If you keep my command, Jesus said, you will remain in my unconditional love. You will remain in God. If you don't keep this, you will not remain in God. You will be cut off from God. You will not be with God. If you act like Putin, (laughs) you are not going to be with God. (laughs) My command is this unconditionally love each other as I have unconditionally loved you. It all turns on this one command. And, And what I'm about to say is very important. Remember this the hard thing about this, people mistake this. It's not about sacrifice and being selfish and how much depth of feeling and how much love you have in your heart. Mothers can do extraordinary things for their kids. You know, like Romeo and Juliet, too. You know, if you fall in love, you can do extraordinary things for each other. That's not what we are talking about here. This is unconditional love. The hard thing is the unconditionality of it. Just look within yourself. Examine yourself. And and think about when you feel good about yourself. You feel good about yourself uh, because of some good characteristic in yourself. Because when you succeed in something and you you beat up on yourself when you fail at something and you see some flaw in yourself. That's conditional, however. It's very natural. But you see that's conditional love, conditional thinking. That cuts you off from God. Now do you see how serious that is? You will wither away. You have to fight that. Your worth and value is in Christ alone. As we traditionally say in church. (laughs) That has a bite. That's an important thing to remember. It's not about how good you are and how bad you are in terms of your performance. It's in Christ alone that we find our anchor. Those words, those traditional statements that seem to be just blah, 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 it has a bite. It's very hard to do, you see that? But if you can do it, you will find a lot of fruit. Believe this in your heart, you will be saved. This is where Christian belief and Christian behavior or heaven coming into you has an inherent connection. If you really believe this, then behavior will just flow out of you. You could never abuse another person. Because no matter what, they are worth the life of God incarnate. If you really believe that, how could you abuse them or harm them? Right? Behavior will come out of you. You could never invade another country because they are just as important and valuable as you. Because it all depends on God. It's not dependent upon any of your condition or their condition. You see that? Whether they are Ukrainian or Russian, it's all conditions. No, we are all worth the life of God incarnate. If you really thought that way, your behavior would change. You see that? There's an inherent Connection. Automatic connection. And if you really did this, you will experience heaven. Now. Not just after you die. It, this is not like, well, believe in this set of facts. It doesn't matter if you like, feel horrible and act like a horrible human being. It doesn't matter if you just believe in this. After you die, you will get into heaven come (laughs) on. If heaven is coming to you, it's going to have impact starting now. (laughs) It's got to start now into eternity. And I have experienced myself when I started to believe in this, this gospel, life and joy, salvation, heaven began to come into my heart and my life. You know, I was raised in a very different culture than what i've been preaching very different i come from korean culture confucian culture i was not raised in a christian environment not that traditional christian environment teaches this <laughs> uh, right how many of you have really like like got taught this as a christian growing up not too many i think but i, I but uh, confucian culture is outright performance-based, right? Your worth is your performance. Shame on you if you fail in any way. You bring shame to your family. Oh, my God, you are like less than trash, right? And uh <laughs> and so many of my family members have suffered so much from this performance-based conditional thinking. Just such a shame-filled culture. I I... I with all that pressure, I I, perform, I, I took that all in, and, and I performed exceptionally well because I just put so much pressure on myself. You know, I went to Stanford, double majored, and I got a Ph.D. from MIT. Now, these are not things that are easy to do. <laughs> you have to put enormous pressure on yourself to succeed like this. It doesn't come automatically or easily. You just have to like go at it like you are a maniac. You know? And why did I do that? Because there was all this pressure, right? If I don't succeed, then I'm less than trash. And so I have to do this. So I went at it. But over time, because of faith, because of this message of the gospel... I tried to and began to separate my worth from my performance. And that really made a change in my life. You know, more freedom. Less pressure. Less anxiety. Less rat race. I I still am kind of high strung, to be honest. I'm kind of like an anxious personality still. It's very hard to move away from what you were raised in. But I'm trying, and the gospel really helps. It's moving me towards a better state of life. And so Caroline and I, and she tends to be less anxious than me, you know, a better person, at least in this regard. Uh, Don't want to put myself down too much, (laughs) you know. But anyway, we have tried to raise our kids. Along this direction, we have tried to separate their performance from their worth. I mean, it's good to perform. Don't get me wrong. It it brings more convenience and comfort to your life. And so so go ahead and perform. We do need to perform. It will be good for you. It makes life a little easier. But that's all it is. Don't get a big head from it. It doesn't make you a better person because you can better perform. Do you know what I'm saying? You're just a better performer life may be a little more comfortable for you, doesn't make you any more worthy in any way. Because our belief is that Christ and God determines our worth, not our performance, right? That's what we are professing to believe, so let's act like it. So we try to raise our kids in that way. I don't know if we were 100% successful, because the world is always teaching people to tie performance to worth and other conditions to your worth, but we have tried and to the extent that we have succeeded, I think our kids have turned out well in that sense. They seem resilient, they seem happy with with themselves and they ended up, um, at least two of them have ended up in a good colleges and they are doing pretty well, it seems, so far. And I think this is the way to go, right? It raises happier people, happier kids. Heaven comes to your life. Now, if you could really believe this gospel, you are worth the life of God incarnate. God made flesh. Unconditional love made flesh. Equate Jesus with unconditional love. And live from it. All kinds of good things will come to you. I have more to speak on this. Next week I'll talk about how this impacts our prayer life. Jesus mentions ask and God will give to you in this passage when you are vine and the branches. How does it all work? It's the start of the Lenten period next Sunday. Six weeks leading up to Easter. It's one of the most interesting and impactful and a great time to push into God and spirituality. So, I, I, I really encourage you to come next week. Let's push into these concepts, these beliefs, and get the benefits of being connected to the vine and getting fruit and joy from it. Uh, we also have New to the River class today after church. In about 10 minutes after the ch- service ends, we will meet upstairs. We'll give you some pizza. We'll talk about mm, about an hour. You can ask me questions. We'll talk about history of this church. And, you know, just introducing the church to you. So I just want to invite you all to come up. You know, act with me. Ask me questions. Let's do it, okay? If you can. Uh, let me pray for us. God, uh, we lift up our hearts to you. Thank you, God, for being divine. You have taught so very clearly to us that the way to life and heaven is unconditional love. And so we lift up Ukraine today. We lift up the people who are suffering. We ask that your voice will be heard clearly in the hearts and minds of Russian leadership. Even Putin, we pray that you would speak very clearly And that there will be a change of heart. There will be a change of situation. We pray for the Western leaders to give more support to Ukraine. That you will speak clearly to them. We ask for help, miraculous help. We ask for your mercy. We ask that there will be a change in this situation in Ukraine. That you will be with the suffering people. And that your voice will make a difference that people will be able to hear your voice and respond yes, yes to unconditional love, yes to treating everyone well, that violence and abuse and harm and such things will stop and that we will move towards a better future, a heaven on earth uh, together. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.